Hey. Hello, what's up? Ben, where's the weirdest place you've ever podcasted from? Gosh, I can't think of any anything that weird. I mean, I've, I've done it in a car before, but usually I'm just like in my office or in my backyard. Not, nowhere that weird, honestly. I am in Grand Cayman in a rental car hijacking the Wi-Fi signal from my dive shop because our condominium just lost all of its Wi-Fi 20 minutes before I'm to talk to you. Sweet. Yeah, I'm doing some serious, like, intense hot sauna therapy as we speak because, of course, I have to keep the windows rolled up. I like it. So jealous. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey there, you're on air with Ella. And yes, that was me in my pre-chat with Ben Greenfield before we actually started recording this episode, which is about all things testosterone, and it's coming right up. And side note, if you'd like to see the after visual after I finished recording this episode in a very hot car, head on over to the On Air with Ella Facebook page. I think I lost about 15 pounds on that one. Anyway, in this episode, Ben and I talk about how men can increase their testosterone production. And this is important because testosterone is a critical hormone for health, performance, longevity. But just to be clear, while men have more testosterone than women, women have it too. And it's important for both parties. In fact, everything we talk about today applies to the female body as well in terms of hormonal disruptors, foods that help and hurt, environmental factors, and exercise, and so on. So while we're talking all things manly today, there's truly value for everyone regardless of gender. So stick around. Quick word on Ben before we jump in. He's truly one of the most knowledgeable experts I have come across in the world of functional exercise, nutrition, performance, and health. And he's the founder and owner of Greenfield Fitness Systems with a master's degree in sports science and exercise physiology. He's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Beyond Training. He writes for the Huffington Post, Triathlete Magazine, Shape Magazine, Men's Health Magazine. And for the past two years, Ben has been voted as one of the top 100 most influential individuals in health and fitness. And in his spare time, Ben hosts several podcasts on iTunes, including The Get Fit Guy, The Ben Greenfield Fitness Show, and Obstacle Dominator. Let's just stop there, shall we? (laughs) We don't have all day. Here's my chat with Ben. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and yes, today's guest is the Ben Greenfield. Hey Ben, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Apparently, based on the discussion we had before we started recording, I'm doing much better than you. Now Ben, I'm trying to be a world-class podcaster like yourself, so if you tell everybody that I'm locked in a rental car outside of a scuba shop in the Caribbean, they're going to think otherwise. Well, at least you're in the Caribbean. You know, sometimes we have to make sacrifices for our craft, Ben. This one's mine. Well, I haven't started crying for you yet. Listen, I recorded, because your your resume and your credentials read sort of like the Oxford Dictionary, I went ahead and pre-recorded that bit. What I want to share with people now that I've got you live on air with Ella, Ben, is maybe a couple of things that people don't know about you. So before we jump in, tell tell us maybe one or two things that not everybody knows about you. 
I played the violin for 13 years, and then I quit after that wasn't cool anymore, and bought an electrical guitar instead. Uh, I was the lead singer in a rock band. Um, what else? I don't really like socializing. Generally, um, I'm at home. I'm not off speaking or racing or anything like that. My wife will inform me that I haven't actually left the house at all to go to the grocery store, restaurants, anything like that. I'm not much of a, a, a social bug. That may be true, but one more little-known fact about Ben Greenfield is, for an introvert, you can cut a rug. <laughs> Where was that? Ve Vegas, yeah. I mean, you put me on a dance floor, I'll move around a little bit. All right, let's jump in. One of the reasons I wanted to have Ben on with you guys today is because I really wanted to have you on to talk about something different. So this episode is for the men, and it's for women who care about a man in their lives. And it's not for kids. So if you're a kid, go ahead and jump off now. We'll see you next time. Bye, kids. Yeah, what are you doing here anyway? Okay, so, Ben, one of the things that I'm passionate about is just connecting people back with what I call kind of their primal self. And I don't mean that in a hashtag primal, hashtag paleo kind of way. As we grow up, as we take on more responsibility, and as life kind of happens, we get farther and farther away, I think, from the creature we were designed to be. You know, for the most part, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, as we delve deeper and deeper into technology and post-industrialization, we do spend quite a bit of time, like the folks in the movie uh, Wally, you know, sitting on our little wheelchairs with our, with our large sippy cups. <laughs> I want to talk about low testosterone today. I want to talk about why our men are losing their libidos and that primal connection to their sex drive. And even, honestly, just kind of their manliness, Ben, their confidence. And just a note to everybody, this is not, we're not being intentionally provocative or titillating, and this isn't about sex. We're talking about simple reasons men don't feel as strong, maybe as virile as they may be used to or could do, and some simple Simple practical tips to open your eyes to maybe how that lethargy that you might be feeling isn't necessarily normal and in, is 100% not necessary. So Ben, can we do this? Yeah, I think we can. I'd like to stay in my wheelhouse if possible, which is all like nutritional, hormonal, and movement-based. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and frankly, I do think that there is that component to, to bear in mind too, like the way just that kids are raised the, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about that since I'm, I'm raising boys. So and I, I could talk about that too, I guess, now that, now that I think about it. So yeah, where do you want to start? Well, Ben, how old are your twin boys now? Seven. Okay, and that River and Taryn, is that right? Yeah, good memory. All right, and your wife, Jessa, who is clearly a superwoman and a saint, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, just to get that out of the way. So people have a mental picture here. Okay, so I totally am game. I'm really glad that you said that. Totally game to focus on diet, to focus on lifestyle changes people can make. And then if we have time, maybe we can talk about some of the cultural stuff we're doing to ourselves. But I'm with you. Like, I think there's so many things within our control that we can actually influence, like tomorrow. I call them Monday morning strategies when you can literally start, you know, think on a weekend and start on Monday. And so I'd love to talk with, with you about some Monday morning strategies with regard to diet and lifestyle. Sound cool? Yeah, sure. All right. Sounds good. How, how can a guy know whether his testosterone is low without having to take a blood test or see their doc? Or is that the only, is that the right way to go? Or can you feel a lethargy? 
you can feel lethargy, you can feel a lack of libido, you can feel a loss of motivation. You know, for example, a lot of times you'll find that guys will jump into a game and pick up basketball or play tennis or, or soccer and they feel an intense drive to win, an intense drive to compete, or maybe they'll never feel the urge to do anything from a triathlon to a 5K to whatever. And whereas that does not necessarily indicate low testosterone, when combined with a cluster of other factors, right, like afternoon brain fog, maybe some extra fat around the waistline or, or a little bit of the appearance of man boobs, um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a loss of libido, possibly erectile dysfunction, those type of things, you kind of get to the point where, yeah, I mean, you, you can definitely suspect low testosterone in the absence of laboratory testing with the caveat that everything that I just described would also be indicative of, for example, uh, low thyroid function. It can also be indicative of, for example, a nutrient deficiency, such as like a, like a loss of fat soluble vitamins. So, you know, that it doesn't necessarily in the absence of lab testing, allow you to to know with laser-like efficiency but then you got to consider that you know a blood hormone panel or a salivary hormone panel these days doesn't set you back much it's super simple to do and the salivary ones you can even order to your own house to get a salivary testosterone or cortisol or hormone panel and not even venture to the physician. I mean, you can you can go to a company like Direct Labs for example order a salivary panel that'll measure free testosterone and total testosterone and even some of the things that you typically would want to measure along with testosterone like cortisol, DHEA, those type of hormones and you know you can get a get basically a kit sent to your house you drip saliva in a tube sniff a little peanut butter if it helps you make more saliva and then turn around and send it back off to the lab and get your results within a week or two so um, not you know, there's not a huge excuse to not get a lab test these days, in my opinion. All right. I love it. I'll put a link to direct labs is what you said, right? I mean, that's not the only lab. That's one that I use with, with some of my clients. I also use Wellness FX. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Okay, Wellness FX. I'll put links to both of those. Thanks, Ben. And I have a really important time-sensitive question. Are you on your walking desk right now? Yeah, I am. Absolutely. <laughs> I, a lot of times I'll walk four, five miles during the day just talking to folks on the phone or, you know, doing podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, reason number 712 why I wanted Ben on the show. He doesn't just talk it, he does it. So he's at his treadmill desk while we're recording, making really good use of his time. I'm on my treadmill desk in my bare feet and underwear, actually. Thanks for that. Okay, you made a couple of really good points in there. Let me pull one out. One is that Ben is extremely knowledgeable. He reads a great deal of, of the research, the actual primary research. He also writes a lot for a lot of different publications. However, neither Ben nor Ella, neither of us are medical doctors. So let's be super clear about that as we jump in here. All right, so thank you. You pointed out some of the symptoms and what could be potential causes. And at the end of the day, if we want to zero in on testosterone, I want to zero in specifically on how we can easily increase testosterone production. And frankly, Ben, you don't necessarily have to have a problem with it for these tips to be useful to you. True or false? Yeah, that's true because there's a difference between absence of disease versus living an optimal life, right? Like you could have 
clinically diagnosed hypogonadism, right? Like extremely low testosterone and inability of your, you know, the Leydig cells in your testes to even produce testosterone. Or as a female, honestly, females can have suppressed testosterone as well, which which often goes hand in hand with with low progesterone, low low, low motivation, depression, a lot of the things that, that that guys experience with low testosterone. But ultimately, as far as the, where, where you draw the line, it can be tricky because some people, you know, let, let's focus on guys, for example, if we're talking about numbers, some guys will function well, you know, just fine on, on a testosterone level of, you know, 500 to 700. Some feel horrible unless they're above 700. A lot of folks will do okay on 400 to 500. That number will drop a little bit as you age. So there, there's pretty wide variety in laboratory values, but ultimately what it comes down to is yeah, you don't have to have complete erectile dysfunction, loss of libido, lack of motivation, etc., to benefit from increasing your testosterone levels. I know for me personally, you know, I, I kept my testosterone levels what would probably be considered moderate once I started experimenting with some of the strategies that we'll, uh, I, I would assume, talk about today. You know, I, I experienced things like an incredible amount of drive and motivation doing something like you know playing noon ball you know basketball at the gym I'd want to you know I would do everything it took to to win and, and play hard and push other guys around and I'd feel way more motivated and amped up like with my eyeballs popping out of their sockets at the starting line of, of a triathlon rather than just kind of be like eh, you know time for a time for a big workout with a bunch of other people so yeah you, you certainly do get get a, an incredible increase in drive, you know, and, and, you know, obviously it goes without saying that, that there are quite a few sexual payoffs too. Yeah. So I think you just got everybody's attention. And what we've done is we've made it pretty clear that the audience here is not necessarily one who's concerned about sexual dysfunction. We're talking to men, guys. And then, of course, we're talking to the women who love them. So I know, Ben, that you've said in the past and you've written about this, you've said diet matters here when we're talking about increasing testosterone production. Diet matters and it matters a lot. Can you expand on that in terms of what we should be avoiding? And then, of course, I'll move into foods we should specifically seek out. Um, the main foods to avoid that are pretty apparent, one would be unfermented forms of soy because of the, the amount of estrogen present in unfermented forms of soy and, and estrogen a lot of times when it's highly elevated can compete for testosterone. So in particular the biggest culprits that I see out there are high amounts of tofu for example. Tofu doesn't tend to be fermented and because of that you tend to get a lot more estrogens along with it. Soy milk would probably be the other biggie. Soy milk and tofu would be two things to avoid. There is some evidence that high amounts of acidic compounds, that would be like coffee, sugar, starches, etc., may affect testosterone, but those are more issues in terms of like connective tissue damage, inflammation, blood glucose dysregulation, things along those lines. So I would say soy would be a, a bigger one to worry about. The other thing to, to kind of be careful with when it comes to foods would be alcohol. Alcohol can actually get your testosterone levels from an acute standpoint down to the level of about an eight-year-old girl you know, the <laughs> night after a bout of, of drinking. Generally, once you've exceeded two drinks, you'll tend to see a decrease in, in your testosterone, especially the next day. Now, you know, that, that doesn't mean that every once in a while going out and partying and having a few extra drinks is a bad thing and is going to chronically affect testosterone levels, but frequent heavy drinking would be another one to be really careful with. 
All right, outstanding. What should people be seeking out, maybe? What should we uh, maybe be adding to our diets if this is an issue? It, it all starts with fats, really, because fats are a source of vitamin D. And vitamin D is going to go on to not just create testosterone, but other really important uh, hormones and hormonal precursors. And vitamin D is typically found packaged up with other fat-soluble vitamins, like vitamin A and vitamin E and vitamin K in a lot of foods that are, that are rich in fat. So, um, for example, well, let me put it this way. The word lean protein, in my opinion, should be omitted from all these magazines, you know, like Men's Health and Men's Fitness. Whenever they say protein, they say lean protein. And as a matter of fact, you should be choosing fattier cuts of protein, like grass-fed beef that's nice and marbly and wild-caught fish with, like, the skin and all the fats and oils kind of oozing out of it. Um, butter is really good, like grass-fed butter. Heavy creams, you know, from like unpasteurized, like raw organic milk sources are really good. Um, a lot of the plant-based fats are, are good as well because those include uh, typically a lot of magnesium, which can also assist with the, uh, the, the enzymes necessary for assisting with testosterone formation in your, in your testes. And so magnesium is really important too. Um, and you'll tend to see a lot of these type of things in like almonds, walnuts, avocados, olives, olive oil, avocado oil, um, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those kind of natural plant-based fats. But the word like low fat, fat-free, lean protein, etc., should not be in your vocabulary if you are a guy who's worried about testosterone levels or who wants to maintain uh, high levels. Okay, question about that. If we're going down the healthy fats route, then does our, does our guy need to back off of some of the carbohydrates then or any particular kind? Well, when it comes to carbohydrates, there is this, uh, this trend towards a low carb uh, or, or even in some cases a very low carb, like a no carb type of ketogenic diet. And actually testosterone responds typically not very favorably to intense restriction of carbohydrates, especially in active people. So um, what I mean by that is that if you restrict carbohydrates to too great an extent, you actually shut down fertility and shut down the production of a lot of your hormones. And so I'm a bigger fan of being careful about what kind of carbohydrates you consume, yeah. you know, like the starches and, and a lot of the white stuff and the processed sugars, and then also the timing, right? Like the majority of your carbohydrate consumption should, should be either in a post-workout state or better yet, at the end of the day in a post-workout state because after workout, it's going to be less likely to spike blood sugar levels and cause some issues that can suppress testosterone. But then if it's at the end of the day, you're also going to be able to process that carbohydrate more efficiently. So sweet potatoes, yams, quinoa, wild rice, um, you know, parsnips, carrots, stuff like that. Um, you know, even like, like fermented forms of grains like uh, quinoa, amaranth, millet, sourdough bread, things like that can all be consumed and you shouldn't necessarily restrict that stuff. You just need to pay attention to timing. I'm so glad you said that because I think way too many people are jumping on A, the lean protein bandwagon. Like they just say it without thinking, to be honest with you, is my impression sometimes. And then two, people are now demonizing carbs, which I think is nuts, just absolutely nuts. Because as you said, the kind matters and the timing matters depending on what your goals are. But I mean, come on, this some of this food, you're knocking out major, major food groups. And as you said, if you're exercising a lot and you cut out these healthy 
healthy carbs that you're talking about, you're actually going to do yourself potentially more harm than good is what I'm understanding. Yeah, when I went through a year of kind of self-quantifying and taking my blood work about every six weeks or so, uh, and I was doing ketosis, which is very low-carb, high-fat, and I was also doing uh, a lot of training for Ironman triathlon, my testosterone got pretty suppressed. Since I started introducing more carbohydrates, particularly in that, that post-workout evening state, and since I, I kind of quit doing the, the ultra-endurance, like long-distance Ironman triathlon kind of stuff, my testosterone has gone up 300 points, which is incredibly significant. So... We're talking a jump from the mid-300s to the mid-600s. Holy cow. Yeah. All right, this is a weird question. Are there any foods that can actually increase your sex drive in real time, like increase your libido in real time, or is that a myth? Like, you know, people say that about oysters or even green M&Ms, which I'm going to go with myth on that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it can, it can certainly happen with oysters. There's some evidence that dark chocolate can do it a little bit too, particularly because of some of the, the serotonin and dopamine precursors in uh, food like dark chocolate. And I believe it's some of the enzymes and the minerals that you'll find in oysters that make them a more libido-enhancing food. But then there's also, it's interesting how nature gives us clues, right? Like avocados have a lot of the enzymes and the fats in them that are necessary for testicular health. And a lot of like these, um, these vegetables or fruits that are the color of blood, right? They, they contain a lot of nitric oxide precursors, which can help out quite a bit, not necessarily with testosterone. Those would be more like libido enhancers, right? Like beets watermelon, pomegranates, things of, the, of that nature. Um, there's some evidence that celery can actually assist with erections, although again, I think that's more of a nitric oxide mechanism, you know, kind of like arugula could do the same thing rather than a, um, a like a testosterone increasing mechanism. Uh, Brazil nuts are another one that I know can increase testosterone primarily based on the selenium content. You, know, you gotta be careful with those because they have a lot of omega-6 fatty acids in them they're also very prone to oxidation and free radical formation. But those, those are a few, you know, if you wanted to kind of fill up your pantry with some good foods for either testosterone or libido, you'd want to get things like beets, arugula, pomegranate, watermelon, dark chocolate, oysters, uh, Brazil nuts, and uh, avocados. So just a quick geek deep dive. For Brazil nuts, you only want to eat like two or three in a day. Is that right? Because they're so potent? Yeah, about two to four, and you generally okay. want to buy them in, in the shell and then keep them in your freezer so you avoid a lot of the mold and the oxidation issues. So you need like a little little nutcracker for them. That's all, that'll also keep you from eating too many. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. When you have to work for it. Like never buy unshelled pistachios, for example. It's just too easy. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. I'm just learning to keep the nuts in the freezer because I didn't realize they were so prone to mold. Is it mold or oxidation or both? I'm both. Okay. All right. So a little quick tip, everybody. That one was free. Okay. So thank you for humoring me on that question. And by the way, all the women listening just like made up their grocery lists for, <laughs> for they're like, sweet. Okay. Let's move on. So let's talk about things we can do in our home, like, or with our daily regimen that actually affect testosterone production. And you tell me if this is too much of a leap, Ben, because I defer to your good judgment here, but I'm talking about like soaps and shampoos and plastics that sort of thing. Can you, can you walk us through that to the extent that you think it's um, true and useful? 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, like we used to train the, the Timex triathlon team that I'm on, used to train at the, at the New York Giants Stadium. And you'd walk into the Giants locker room and it would literally just smell like a hair salon almost. And you walk into the area with all the mirrors and it's pretty much every gel, hairspray, deodorant, shampoo, antibacterial, you name it, known to man, full of fragrances. And fragrances are one of the big, big culprits when it comes to endocrine disruption or hormonal disruption. So they interact with the receptors on your cell surfaces that, you know, things like testosterone or progesterone would normally interact with. And they can disrupt or block the activity of your endocrine system, which is your, your hormonal system. And so uh, generally, if, you, if your personal care products contain fragrances, parabens, or phthalates, those are three big culprits. I mean, the, the rule that I follow in my own personal care regimen is if I can't eat it, I'm very careful choosing whether or not I'm going to put it on my body. And then I, you know, obviously, you know, like my, my hair gel, for example, it's, it's like coconut oil and olive oil and yoba oil and, you know, some vitamin C and stuff like that wouldn't taste all that great if I ate it, but it wouldn't kill me, right? It might give me the runs. So, um, you know, the same thing for like a deodorant, you know, I generally use a little bit of coconut oil, sometimes some, some like a baking powder, you know, for something like, uh, like a fragrance, I use essential oils, right? Like I'll use musk or lavender or sandalwood or some kind of like a good essential oil that that's a natural fragrance, right? Like not, not a man-made synthetic chemical based fragrance. So what so, do you shave yeah. with? Uh, as far as like a soap goes, yeah, I use the the Dr. Bronner's uh, soap. It's it's you know, and I, and I use the same. Uh, so so Dr. Bronner's, I use their their bath or shower soap, like their their body wash. When I do take a bath yeah, or shower, yeah, which is sure. very very infrequent, I only use use soap about every three or four days or so, and everything else, I I literally just rinse myself off and with a hose in the backyard, nice nice cold water, um, but. But the, uh, you know, and the reason for that is because you don't want to remove a lot of the bacteria on your skin, especially guys, you know, you, you, you have guys that will go out and, and like purchase these, um, eh, I'm forgetting the, the name of them now, they're, they're hormones, pheromones that will attract the opposite sex. And every single day, if you're taking a, a bath or a shower with tons of soap, you're rinsing all your natural pheromones and, and good bacteria off of your body. And so believe it or not, if you eat a really healthy diet, and you use a little bit of coconut oil to, to kill off a little bit of the bacteria that might be in, say, like your, your crotch, your armpits. Um, you don't really struggle with odor and things like that by doing something like water-only showers. But a little bit of a rabbit hole there. Dr. Bronner's is the brand of the shaving gel that I use and the soap that's in my shower. You know, and there are other brands that, that I use. For example, I use one called uh, Nature's Blessing for a hair pomade. Um, if I'm not using a coconut oil for a deodorant, I'll use Onnit. Uh, Onnit has like an all-natural deodorant. Um, for my facial moisturizer, uh, up until this point in my life, I've been just using extra virgin olive oil, which has a lot of polyphenols and flavanols in it that help your skin to really glow. Um, I've been researching about 20 other, now that I'm getting older, been researching about 20 other really, really good ingredients when it comes to anti-aging, reducing wrinkles, etc. And I'm, I'm trying to, to create a product that combines all of those kind of in the throes of that. But right now, you know, I just use olive oil. 
So yeah, I mean, when it comes to personal care, um, it really is a big consideration. It always baffles me when guys will spend money on testosterone supplements or they'll even like get a testosterone cream or injection or, or a lotion and, and those are not inexpensive but then they'll you know they'll be pouring water on one end of the fire and gasoline on the other end when it comes to testosterone with not just personal care products but also household cleaning chemicals right like your your disinfectant and your window cleaner and your your carpet shampoo and all those things you you really need to be careful I, I have an article over at bengreenfieldfitness.com called how to detox your home and it really goes into a lot of these issues from like you know water to wi-fi to disinfectants to shampoo so yeah it's certainly something to pay attention to yeah i've actually already copied a couple of links from your site that are going to be in the show notes for this episode and that is one of them that's just like a comprehensive guide and deep dives into the detail that people will want and of course we'll share all the links back to your site and your resources page ben so that's awesome dr bronner's is fabulous the one thing i haven't found for my husband is a shave cream so i'm in i'm gonna grab that yeah they make a shave cream all right fantastic so let's you you mentioned endocrine disruption and and if we also, I've mentioned in previous shows that overuse of plastics in your kitchen or your drinking water bottles, or God forbid you microwave one of them, that also can be an endocrine disruptor, which I'm going to keep pretending that I'm saying correctly. Ben, can you just touch on, kind of give us the USA Today version of what that actually means? What is endocrine disruption? Good thing I didn't have you say disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> Endocrine disruptors are typically going to compete for testosterone on the cell receptor sites that testosterone would normally need to act upon. And in the case of some of them, they also shut down the activity of what are called aromatase inhibitors. And aromatase inhibitors are produced by your body to keep too much testosterone from getting converted into estrogens. So not only can you get a bunch of extra estrogens in your body from things like, you know, say soy milk, but you can also get a bunch of endocrine disruptors and disruptors of aromatase uh, from, you know, again, your sunscreens, your personal care products, your household cleaning chemicals, etc. So, you know, and, and of course the annoying part it's not just yours, right? Like if you go to the gym yep. and the woman running next to you on the treadmill has perfume slathered all over her body. There, there's been times when I've walked into a gym and it smelled just so, I'll, I'll make up a word, endocrine disrupty. I, I walk out and I just go to a nearby park. Well, I'll tell you something. The gym that I go to uses really strong cleaning stuff for the locker rooms, and I've done the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, okay, soapbox for another day. All right, I totally want to leave time for a couple of other lifestyle tips. I want to talk about EMF, Ben, because you know a lot about this, and I'm talking about cell phones, I'm talking about Wi-Fi, and a lot of people think it's alarmist to talk about this stuff, but I know that the research shows that if you're walking around with your cell phone on and in your front pocket, you are directly impacting your testosterone count, or your sperm count even. It's that literal a translation from what I understand from what I'm reading, Ben, is that just internet wisdom or is there some truth here? You know, I, I actually haven't seen any evidence that it affects testosterone. It definitely affects sperm production. It definitely affects inflammation. It can definitely affect the gray matter in your brain if it's near your head. I simply cannot say with certainty that I've seen any studies that have shown a link between Wi-Fi exposure, EMF, stuff like that, and testosterone levels, but they certainly can affect many other parameters like 
inflammation, cancer risk, things along those lines. So I'd certainly be careful with that stuff. If your cell phone on in your front pocket legitimately affects your sperm count, like what do you do? Can you just, can we spend 30 seconds just sharing with people really quickly the way you minimize your EMF exposure when it comes to your cell phone or your Wi-Fi? Yeah, absolutely. So I use, I use a case that blocks some of the EMF without disrupting too much of the, of the antenna strength. The one that I use is, is, you know, it's just, it's made by a company called Pong, not because I'm affiliated with them or have any relationship whatsoever with them. It's just, that's, that's one that I happen to use. Um, and I actually never, ever put my phone in my pocket unless it's an airplane mode. I simply don't. Um, if I am in a situation where I am expecting a call, I will keep the phone near me. For example, sometimes in an outside jacket pocket with that Pong case exterior toward turn in towards the body. But very, very rarely do I allow my phone to even touch my body for the reasons that you described. Okay, thank you for sharing that. And then you don't hold it up to your brain and talk on it. What do you do? Uh, I use a special kind of headset called an air tube headset. So rather than traveling through wires or rather than traveling via a Bluetooth signal to your head, uh, the sound actually travels through hollow air tubes. And this, the sound quality is, is really, really good, but you don't get the same amount of radiation exposure. So that's what I use. All right, cool. I wanted to know personally, and I know that the everybody listening is going to get some value out of that, so thanks for that. Okay, let's talk about the biggie. The type of movement or exercise that you engage in or don't engage in has a huge amount to do with your testosterone levels, yeah? Yeah, it does. So what, what research has shown are, are two things. Well, you know what, really closer to three things in particular. The first we've already hit on, that long, long periods of time spent in chronic repetitive motion, particularly periods of time that exceed the time that it takes for your glycogen stores to become depleted. So voluminous aerobic exercise that exceeds about an hour and a half can suppress testosterone production. And I see this over and over again in Ironman athletes, marathoners, etc. I don't think those sports are wrong. I just think that, that many, many athletes overdo the amount of aerobic training that is necessary for those. And particularly, they overdo the aerobic training at the improper intensity. So you can go out and exercise aerobically without necessarily stressing your nervous system or sending a message to your body that it needs to downregulate fertility. And if you look into training systems such as like Mathetone or Lydiard, those type of training systems do use a high volume aerobic approach, but it's at a very low like conversational intensity that frankly I find a lot of athletes when they follow a program like that or attempt to, they go too hard and they don't adhere to the prescribed intensity of the program. Now the, now the only fallback of a program like that is it still requires a lot of volume. I'm personally more um, the, the type of mindset in my own training that I simply avoid most of those long aerobic training sessions completely and instead just go to the pain cave really hard for the you know the aerobic type of training sessions that I that I do so for example rather than when training for an Ironman doing like a four-hour bike ride I'll do an hour and a half but it'll be an hour and a half of, of some really high intensity stuff so um, that that's that's the way that I go but you need to be careful with very very long draining aerobic exercise, particularly aerobic exercise that's in the gray zone, right? Like that's, that's harder than the conversational zone. 
but easier than the zone that would be just like so hard there's no way you could go for a long time. So be careful with that stuff. So that you know, another term that you see given to that in literature is junk miles or junk training. That's one thing. The next thing is for weightlifting and weight training, doing compound sets or sets that require multiple joints to be moving at a time. So single joint exercises would be exercises like leg curls, leg extensions, bicep curls, shoulder raises, crunches, things like that. Multi-joint exercises that have been shown to increase salivary testosterone and growth hormone would include squats, deadlifts, clean and jerk, overhead press, shoulder press, pull-ups, uh, rowing, things that, that move you know, elbows and shoulders at the same time or knees, ankles, and hips at the same time. And generally, you would want to go heavy. So the heavier you go, to a certain extent, once you dip below about three reps, there's really not, not many extra returns. But if you keep it between about four and ten reps, you're using a heavy enough weight at a low enough volume that you get an increase in a lot of the hormones, including testosterone, that increase when you send a message to your body that it has to survive by lifting heavy stuff. Okay, so number one is be careful with long, draining aerobic exercise. Number two is use multi-joint sets, preferably at a, at a heavy weight. And number three is incorporate functional exercise that involves either competition or provision. So what I mean by that is uh, exercise that includes competition would be like the basketball that I talked about or joining up at, at like a jiu-jitsu or an MMA gym where your exercise includes like tussling around with, with another person on the floor, like, like wrestling and fighting. Um, pushing someone around, even tennis, right? Tennis, which is kind of like a, a more gentlemanly form of boxing, where rather than hitting each other, you're you're kind of using you know mental chess and exercise and strategy and sprinting, but you're hitting a ball. You know, soccer, volleyball, in, any of these sports that kind of satisfy the urge to compete, to you know go to battle, if you will, those can increase testosterone. And, and to a certain extent, you know, many of these sports came when we when we quit doing battle and quit fighting, you know, all of a sudden we need an outlet. For a lot of guys to to uh, satisfy, you know, this urge to 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 compete. Now, the other thing is provision. Yeah, what did that mean? Exercise that has a purpose, right? Hunting would be one example. Uh, logging or chopping wood or chainsawing would be another example. Building a rock wall, you know, pushing a wheelbarrow around. Interestingly, they've even compared wood chopping with traditional weightlifting and found wood chopping to be superior for increasing testosterone. You know, for example, my workout this morning, you know, it took me about an hour, but it, it was all simply chainsawing, hauling, and chopping wood. And, you know, it was, it was up a steep hill. You know, the chainsaw isn't light either. And, you know, I'm typically carrying two to three logs at a time up the hill. And that, that was my workout. And um, something like that actually increases your testosterone much more than a weight training workout. And the other cool thing is you actually, you know, you get crap done when you're doing something like that. So, you know, another example would be like putting on a heavy pack and going hiking. Um, I do a lot of, of, of hunting and bow shooting, so that's another thing where I'm moving, I'm fighting, I'm shooting, I'm pulling, and so there's a, there's a lot of fitness systems that are trained with an activity like that uh, that also increases testosterone. So think about avoiding long periods of draining aerobic exercise, think about multi-joint exercise, and then think about heading outside of the gym to either compete or to provide with your physical movement.
very helpful and I think a lot of surprises in there, especially from someone who's competed in a lot of endurance racing. I know you're sort of taking the world by storm right now in Spartan racing. Does that fit more in line with some of the principles that you're sharing? You know, it, it certainly does involve a little bit more lifting, like heavy lifting, compound lifting, a little bit more of like a, you know, a dirty competition type of thing. Ultimately, though, even Spartan, once you get into like the longer races, is not necessarily the best thing for your testosterone because it is long, voluminous exercise, right? So, um, you know, I also compete in these hunting competitions, and that's probably really the most ancestrally appropriate when it comes to increasing testosterone because the intense portions of it, like, you know, packing 100 pounds of of, of meat through the hills, or, you know, what they call meat, but really they're, they're sandbag competitions because they aren't going to use real meat during the competition, but, or doing, you know, like a, like an intense 20 minute obstacle course with stops to shoot your bow, uh, or even four hours of very low level walking through the woods while stopping to shoot at targets. You know, all of that is, is simply kind of like move, lift, sprint type of stuff. Even the sprinting hard stuff doesn't last much longer than 20 minutes. And you know, if I had to, to pick a sport that, that would be like the ultimate one for increasing testosterone, it really would be something like, like hunting or something like these, you know, strongman competitions where there's lots of like, you know, logging and chopping and hauling. And the reason for that is, is there's almost no draining stamina based hour after hour sessions at all with things like that. All right. And it's interesting because if that's not something somebody has easy access to, you can take those principles and apply them in the gym environment. Like it's not the same thing, but I get it. It's the difference between spending an hour running and just lifting heavy things. Short, intense power is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. All right, Ben, two questions for you. What's one habit you want listeners to try for one week? Like try it on. It can be anything. You know, we've talked a lot about testosterone, but hand in hand with that would be just basic stress resilience, like making yourself a tougher person or someone who's able to uh, withstand pain or withstand discomfort because being resilient, being tough often goes hand in hand with high levels of, of testosterone or, or growth hormone or, you know, manliness or womanliness, depending on, on whatever terms you want to use. So I'd say one thing would be try try the the cold shower challenge where for a week or for 30 days whatever whatever you'd like try to avoid using or completely stop using the hot water handle on your shower on your bath and only use as icy cold water as you can handle each day preferably a couple of times a day and you'll you'll find that what happens is after a period of time several days that sharp intake of breath that you normally take and that extreme discomfort that you normally experience begins to go away as your body becomes more tolerant to stress and discomfort. And it's a cool little hack to make yourself more resilient. I mean, I like to think I'm kind of tough, like, you know, kind of strong. And I'm a complete soft wimp. Like that <laughs> cold shower thing scares the crap out of me. Yeah, interestingly, when I hear that from people, and then, and then they test their heart rate variability, which is a good measurement of, of your ability to be able to withstand stress. Yeah. People who can't do the cold showers tend to have really crappy heart rate variability. And so that's, that's something I would consider working on and get yourself to the point where you can walk into a cold shower and it's just like, you know, water off a duck's back and you don't care. And if you get yourself to that point, you really are going to be more resilient to, you know, all those lions jumping out from the email inbox in your computer, for example. All right. Thanks, Ben. Now, share one resource that you are currently loving that you want to recommend, and it can be anything, Ben. 
Okay. Well, I, I am a lover not just of knowledge related to physical and biological and nutrition and hormonal function, but I also really like a good book, right? Like a good work of fiction. So one one resource I've been playing around with quite a bit lately has been the website slash app called uh, Wattpad, which allows you to read different works of, of fiction or nonfiction, kind of like chapter by chapter from a, a device or a computer or whatever, it allows you to like vote, comment, find new stories, etc. Um, and because I, I typically try to immerse myself in fiction at least once a day for you know 15, 20 minutes just to get the creative wheels churning, uh, I've been liking, liking Wattpad to discover uh, primarily fiction uh, and, and what I use for like my nonfiction consumption is the, the website slash app called Feedly which allows you to subscribe to a variety of different uh, you know, blogs and, and websites. And of course, if you do begin to use Feedly, you'd be remiss not to, not to add BenGreenfieldFitness.com to your Feedly feed. So there's my shameless self-promotion. Obviously. So tell me, how do you spell Wattpad? W-A-T-T-P-A-D. Okay, perfect. All right, thanks. Okay, we're going to yeah. share that with everybody. And Ben, I just uh, thank you so much for your time. You've given us a lot to think about, and I know that this episode is going to get replayed a couple times. So <laughs> thanks, everybody. Whatever questions you have for Ben, share them with me, and we'll get Ben back on. I want to talk with Ben about how he's raising those two boys. He's got some fascinating stuff. And Ben, if you launch that skincare product, we want to be at least the fifth person to know. Well, it will launch within about a couple of weeks, hopefully. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, so uh, stay tuned. All right. I want some. Sign me up. All right, <laughs> Ben, thanks again for your time, man. All right. Thanks for having me on, Ella. Catch you later. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.